Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I am exuberant to welcome back Tara Vogel, who was a guest on episode 14 entitled Astrology and Relationships, Top 12 Things to Know About Your People's Chart and Your Own. If you haven't heard that episode, definitely check it out, everyone, as we went into so much depth about astrology and how it reveals information about ourselves, others, in a very accessible way, which is Tara's unique style. It was packed with information, and the feedback I received about it was, again, how it just made so much sense. There were a lot of aha moments. So the reason I am so extra exuberant, and I'm literally not being hyperbolic, is because today the luminous Tara and I are going to be discussing one of my favorite topics in astrology, and honestly, in all of life, truly, which is the moon, and how to sync up with its magic and wisdom. Tara is a certified professional astrologer and coach who is passionate about helping people stay connected to themselves and their soul's path via the cosmos. She loves to dive deeply with her clients and believes that understanding your astrological natal chart is one of the greatest tools we have for developing our consciousness while we're here on planet Earth. Tara reports daily on how to use the celestial bodies to support you in your everyday life in an easy to understand and practical way. She posts every day on Instagram and gives further insights to her astrology community, the luminary parenting community. Tara believes in a holistic approach to living and weaves her knowledge of nutrition, herbal medicine, and the internal family systems method of psychotherapy into her work. Being a mama of three, living astrology daily, and ecstatic dance have been her greatest avenues for healing and wholeness. Tara, welcome back to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, our listeners and myself, I know, are so happy to have you back. And I know I asked you last time the question, which I asked all of my guests, which is, what does it mean to be a modern mystic to you? But now it's been well over a year. And when we're doing practices as seekers and conscious livers in this life, this is always evolving, I have found and seen. And your career in the last year really has just continued to explode exponentially and accelerate. So in this moment, I'm wondering what this term modern mysticism means to you. Yeah. So being open to the mystery of life is really something I am passionate about. So write, I write every day what's happening with the moon. And I feel like our dear Luna is our ultimate teacher in that, you know, being open to the changes, being open to the ebbs and the flows. So Really, I think, Kilkenny, it's being open to what life brings us each day. And that is going to be different, right? We work on things in our own personal life, but then we also live in this collective. We live on planet Earth and we're all working on something that's actually really big right now as a collective. 
we're breaking down to break through. And so in each day we wake up, that looks a little bit different. So really feeling the openness to meet that each day, what that means is just really tapping into the ancient wisdom of our moon. You know, people have been studying her and looking to her for answers since the beginning of time. And so taking that wisdom into our modern lives where we are on Zoom and we, you know, aren't seeing people, but yet we're with people, you know, virtually. And so all of that, like really looking to the sky for answers, you know, it's that as above, so below. Yes, we're looking up there for guidance, but that also helps us to look inside of us for guidance because that's where all the answers are. Mm. Right? They're not outside of us in what that person said or what this ruler said or, you know, this other. It's really inside. And the more we can cultivate that connection between the sky and ourselves, the more we'll have the answers. So gorgeous. So beautiful. And there's so many things that you said that the listeners will glean so much wisdom from. I just particularly just love how you spoke about really being open to each day, what life brings us. And that's really being a seeker of life and a mystic. It's not having this sort of spiritual agenda. Because sometimes I think that we have our beliefs or maybe even practices that we do if we're not, you know, being receptive and we're being rigid in them and having blinders on, even within our psychological, spiritual practices and not really being open to receive what's actually happening in the moment, that's when our our practices and even mysticism can be cut off, which I think is a shadow within, you know, psycho-spiritual practices and communities sometimes. So that's really beautiful to really be open to what is and notice and receive what is. And we can start that, like you said, by looking at the sky and getting those those teachings from nature and then trying to embody those teachings. Yeah, right. We can have all these practices that we do. You know, we can get up and we can pray and we can all do all these like really, really beautiful things and then walk into the kitchen and, and get triggered and think and literally, you know, we get triggered. It happens. We're humans. It's designed that way. And we think something's wrong, but oh, it's to meet that emotion that just got activated and stirred up with inside of, you know, inside of me to meet that in the moment. What is this about right here? How can I meet this with open arms and love? <laughs> mm-hmm. And no. that's so brilliant because the moon is changeable. The moon is that variety that we see all the time. So I love how you connected it to our own emotional body and how, like you said, we get triggered. And then how do we work with the vacillations of our emotional body, which the moon reminds us is normal and natural and part of life? Mm, So well put. Thank you. Well, as we are gathering to converse about the moon, I thought we could just take a couple minutes and contextualize and ground in some moon facts that I feel like a lot of them people will know, but not really be actively thinking about and might be fun to be reminded of. So there have been many theories and hypotheses that are speculated about how the moon came to be. But the most agreed upon one by scientists is that the origin of the physical moon happened when a Mars-sized celestial body struck the Earth 
and made like a debris ring that eventually collected over time into a single form, which we now call the moon, la luna. And the moon is a natural satellite that revolves around the earth. So it's really important to remember that the moon, though it seems far away, is actually made up of earth and the earth's debris, like I said, from this collision. This karmic collision is what caused the 23.5 degree tilted axis that we have on earth. And because of that collision and that tilt, that's how we have the four seasons. Tara and I both live in the U.S. and on the East Coast. So we get to like really benefit from that collision, (laughs) the beautiful four seasons. And so without the moon's presence and story, we would have no seasons. And also the moon revolves west to east approximately 29 and a half days. That's a full moon cycle. And the word month comes from the proto-Germanic word for moon, month. Thus that 29 and a half-ish time frame. So when we think about the moon, the moon and its legacy has, you know, really infiltrated so many aspects of casual day-to-day life, including the word Monday shares a similar root. Monday literally means the day of the moon. A couple other fun facts to me are there are eight phases of the moon. Someday I want to do a whole podcast episode on that. Maybe I can get Tara back in another year. It has a diameter of 2,160 miles. That's 3,475 kilometers. Its distance from the earth is 238,000 miles approximately away. So it basically takes three days for a human to take a spaceship currently until Elon Musk probably changes that. Um, Three days to get from us to the moon. It has a mass 118th that of Earth. However, 50 moons would fit into the Earth. And I thought that was so cool when I was researching that. So the moon is really heavy compared to being big. It has a weight, a gravitas. The Earth only has one moon, so we are really moon monogamous. Unlike Jupiter, who Galileo discovered, had four big ones, and Saturn is now said to have 20. Lastly, the last thing I wanted to mention, because I love words so much, is that the word moon can be traced to the word mona, which is an old English word from medieval times. And mona shares its origins with the Latin word metri, which means to measure and is connected to menses the women's moon cycle. So it means basically that, as we know, women are really particularly synced up biologically with the moon cycle, but hopefully we'll get in this episode to how all genders and people who identify on the continuum of that can work with the moon. So this word really speaks, Mona, to its usage to measure the passing months and time And like I said, particularly connected to feminine energies that live within everyone. So here's some generalities. And now, Tara, I'm wondering if you could really speak to how the moon, in your experience, influences each of us specifically and how we can use it as a psycho-spiritual technology to know ourselves more fully and live the most aligned life, which to me is the goal of a mystic. So in astrology, the moon is about our emotional body. I'm thinking about the people that know some astrology out there. So the way that I look at the moon is it's like your heart and soul. And, you know, some people will say, oh, well, I thought the soul was the rising sign. And yes, that's 
partly true, but the moon is the emotional memories that we bring in from other lifetimes, because in astrology, we, that is what the astrologer believes. And then also it's that emotional memory that we hold inside of our heart in this very cherished place from childhood, from when we took our first breath before we were pre-verbal and had words for anything. We were taking in the emotions of others that were around us. So the moon is really strong the first seven years of our lives. That's like pre-thinking almost. I mean, I know that we're thinking, obviously, when we're seven, we are thinking creatures and walking and having conversations. But, you know, a lot of those years, we're just really in the moment. So yeah, the moon rules our childhood in astrology and our moods and all things that we're not necessarily aware of. They run in the background. So the moon is is just such a beautiful tool for healing work because it's talking about our emotional body and our emotions are where we're vulnerable and we can get hurt and there's pain and there's so many opportunities to pay attention to the moon and work with the moon in just a, a daily kind of way, like, you know, looking up at the sky, what phase is the moon in, but also in your natal chart, in your astrology chart, working with your natal moon, where was the moon when you took your first breath? So yeah, there's a lot there. Did I answer your question? <laughs> you did. You totally did. And and I love you know, so much how you talked about the moon is so significant in early childhood because we are so in the present moment and in that that feeling space, learning what it is to be human and embodied. And I love this idea that when we study the moon and learn more about the moon, then it can help us take us back to that space just to come full circle, even though we're just starting the conversation to your brilliance of what you said about being in the present moment, receiving life as it is in the current moment, right? Which is the goal of the majority of spiritual practices. And so when we can use the moon as a technology, it just occurred to me as you were speaking to get back to that space, because that's part of that space is what we're going for, that childlike in the present moment space that we feel when we're with you know, kids, particularly in that zero to seven range. It's very beautiful. So Western astrology and that's, you know, the context Tara and I are speaking and her expertise is this like incredible architecture that really can help us fulfill our soul's lesson plan while we're here on planet Earth. So we use the snapshot of where all the celestial bodies, including the moon, were at the time of birth. And a key part of this snapshot, we call that the, the needle chart, is the placement of our moon in the sky, which Tara referred to at the time of our birth. Do you mind, please? A lot of our listeners will know this, but can you just extrapolate a little bit more on that for our listeners who are new to this? So, yeah, I mean, everybody's at maybe at a different level of astrological understanding. So a natal chart, we all have one, and it's basically a flattened out map of a picture of the sky when you took your first breath in that time, at the exact time you were born, at the place you were born, and on the date. And that is what your soul said, I'm going to come and play in these areas and these archetypes and experience life through and feel life through. 
and show up as my bright and shiny self, you know, in this way. So our natal chart is this endless place for like this cosmic contemplation to happen about your purpose, your light, your things, your dark, you know, all the ins and outs in you. So it's a beautiful place to just learn very deeply about yourself. But then the moon is really such a place for, it's so rich for that deep diving and healing into yourself. And a lot of times the things that get taught to us or ingrained in us in childhood, there are opportunities for us to do our healing work where we can embrace some of those harder things, those harder lessons, you know, things that happened when we were young and nothing traumatic has to, we could have had a great childhood and yet there's still soul content to be worked on as shown, especially by the moon in your natal chart. So the moon is also about mothering and not just your mother because you're the moon. Everybody has like, we all know our sun sign, right? Kilkenny. Oh, I'm a Capricorn. Oh, you're an Aries, you know, whatever it is. It's, but they're also all the other planets were in a sign when you were born. So the moon was in a sign So whatever sign the moon is in also tells about your perception of your mom and how you were nurtured and how you were cared for and what was emotionally going on for her when you were below seven, (laughs) zero to seven. And so we just really, we can absorb a lot from our parents and it makes us who we are. It forms our identity, our sun and our moon, the whole of who we are. But then there are places that you know, we also said, we're going to come and explore the lessons that mom and dad taught me and really explore them from a soul level. Mm, That was really, really helpful. And I just know when I learned the moon of all my people, like close people in my life, it was like such a game changer. And also I ran in brick and mortar yoga mindfulness studio for five years. And I would laugh because, you know, I would say the majority of my colleagues' moons because we would talk about these things. And I always laugh because whenever like one of them would write me about particularly like offering something, like doing a workshop, that they wanted to do a training, that they had a vision of something, it would inevitably be on their moon. (laughs) Like when the current moon was in the same sign as their natal moon when they were born. And I would laugh. Like I could not believe the connection of that. And that's when I yeah. really learned how real this is and how understanding people who you are in intimate relationship with, their moon sign and then your moon sign and how they dance and interface and how they can help support teaching one another can be so helpful. Would you mind speaking to that, your own experience or, or any wisdom? Yeah. I mean, moon is, is your heart. It's like telling that story of your heart can be quite vulnerable, right? Our, our emotional body is very vulnerable. We're very vulnerable as children. Like we can get hurt very easily, but you know, it's interesting how your people, it's like they were moved emotionally to give this gift <laughs> to others. That is so true and their essence. And so that inspiration came through them when the moon in the sky was a resonance with their natal imprint, their natal agreement that they said, I'm going to come and I'm going to live an emotional life in a very Gemini kind of way, you know, Mm -hmm. or a very expert kind of way. Our natal moon really points to how to really take care of ourselves in a way that's deeply nourishing. Mm. 
That's such a great point too, because I know so much of my self-care, like I have an Aries moon and so much of my self-care has been enhanced by knowing and focusing on that and taking care of myself in that way. Um, so it's such yeah. a good point when you know your moon sign, you can take care of yourself in all the ways you're talking about and know yourself more fully and then be in more harmony with others. The moon is really important in relationships too, because the moon is all about our needs and we get our needs met in relationships. So it can be really, really helpful and a beautiful thing when you can understand your partner's moon, your spouse or your husband or you know, your best friend, because we learn such deep lessons in relationships, right? And there's such, we can get so hurt in relationships. And if we can hold the other's moon, you know, with all this beautifulness and tenderness, it can be an incredible gift that can really strengthen and build up a relationship. And that's why, you know, as moms, it's really important to know your kid's natal moon. <laughs> well, that was my next question. So it's, you know, you already started to answer it so sweetly. Um, and I love that. And that's completely been my experience with, you know, people close to me and particularly in times of conflict. Like you said, I think it helps if you know like, oh, this person has a Gemini moon. They need X, Y, and Z. I have this moon. I know my needs are X, Y, and Z. And we can hold compassion for both and be mm -hmm. less judgmental and just be like, oh, they're having their moon moment. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah, I'd love for you to talk too, please, because you're so eloquent and wise in this area about how we can work with the moon to really help reparent ourselves, right? Because as adults and in many psychological and spiritual traditions, the understanding, you know, is that we really have the power to heal our inner child and we we don't have to wait for the adults in our world who might have created environments of either trauma, big T or, or little T. We don't have to wait for them really to show up in the way that we need them to because often they don't, they can't, or maybe they're not embodied anymore. And we can learn to be parents to ourselves. And the moon I found can be such profound wisdom for this. Would you mind sharing about this? Yeah, there are two ways to think about that. So a lot of times we just aren't held as children and infants and, you know, growing up the way we truly need to be held. I mean, I think that was true of, you know, you and I are in a, a time right now where we can be more conscious. We're just more conscious as a collective right now. So parenting today is different than parenting in the seventies or sixties, you know? So, um, but a lot of times we weren't held the way we needed to be held and nourished and nurtured and honored and tended to, but we grow up and then we have this opportunity to give that back to ourselves, which ultimately is the really, the healing bomb, the healing medicine, the remedy that our soul so wants to experience. As humans, there is really something when you can love yourself enough to give the nurturing and care to yourself. And so sometimes I think that it's even there's even in the human design that our parents just aren't designed to meet all our needs, like, because then we would just grow up in this feathered nest and there wouldn't be any of those lessons that can be harder lessons, but are really important for us on a soul level. Mm-hmm. So one thing is just to really, if you don't know your natal moon, like what sign the moon was in when you were born, you can just go to astro.com and put in your birth information. 
and you'll be able to read. It's a very simple way. Oh, I have a natal cancer moon. Let me go learn about that. And then just go do some research, you know, on cafe astrology or astro.com. Just put in natal cancer moon and learn about, oh, these are my needs. Oh my gosh, this is how I really need to be loved. My soul is really wanting to learn through the emotional lens of Sagittarius and, you know, or, or that way. I can go through each sign if you'd like, but knowing your natal moon gives you like what you really need most. You know, mm. if it's an Aries moon, it's to pump your blood and challenge yourself physically and to initiate things and to say, I'm, I'm going after that. Whereas that might feel really scary to a Cancer moon. Cancer moons need very different things than Aries moons. So understanding that about yourself, because maybe you were parented by two parents that had very different needs. They had a different moon sign. That's very common. I think that would be phenomenal if you could, please. That would yeah. be a beautiful gift for the listeners just to briefly go through the different needle moon signs. Yeah. And I will say that when you can meet the needs of your particular moon, and there are different flavors, there are 12 of them, but then when you learn astrology, you also realize that there's other layers to just even more than the signs, the house, the aspects that whatever other planets are talking to your natal moon, but there are 12 flavors of them. And if you're able to meet the needs of your particular uniqueness, you know, your particular natal moon sign, life is going to feel good. It's going to feel satisfying. You're going to feel safe and comfortable and cared for, you know, these are all right. These are all things that we want for our children. Like we want to make sure they're safe and they feel secure and they feel good that we can do for ourselves when we are adults. So sure. You want me to do that now? Yeah, let's just do sense? it okay. and flow with the conversation. I love that. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll start in the beginning of the Zodiac with Aries and Aries is a fire sign. So some things that will feel really good. Let me just even say it that way. Things that will feel really good to an Aries moon is to be fiery. <laughs> like I said, pump yourself up, pump your blood, do something physical each day. That's a really good way to parent yourself to really be independent and do things that you want to do. You get to be a little enlightenedly self-centered, I guess you could say, is that, you know, because an Aries moon, it's so inspired in the moment to do things that it doesn't always feel like checking with other people. It just wants to do what it wants to do. And it can feel really nurturing to give yourself room to do that. You know, Aries like feels good when it's like being loud in some way, listening to loud music, dancing, all of those things. It's fiery. It's a fire sign. And then we go to Taurus after Aries and that's an earth sign. And Taurus is all about, it's going to feel good to bring beauty into your life and some kind of sensual pleasure, like massage or delicious food or really, you know, parenting yourself through your five senses, getting your feet on mother earth and just being outside and slowing down. Aries is fast. Taurus is like, oh, we're going to go slow. And it feels good. Then we have Gemini and that's an air sign. So what feels good to a Gemini natal moon is to learn and to network and communicate with other people back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Gemini, it's going to feel good to be busy. You know, Gemini has a lot going on. And again, it's like tailoring 
the way that you take care of yourself based on your natal moon sign. For Gemini, because all of the signs, Kilkenny, rule different parts of the body. And Gemini likes to do things with their hands and their fingers. So knitting, doing, you know, getting your fingers in lots of different things can feel good. And then we move to a water sign, Cancer. And the moon rules cancer. So eating delicious food, being with your people, staying home, even crying, having a good cry can be feel really nourishing. You know, those cries that you have, you're like, oh, I needed that. Especially if you have a, a moon and a water sign, those can be really nurturing, taking a bath, getting yourself in a natural body of water. Gosh, calling your mom, doing motherly kinds of things for other people. All of those things feel good when you have your natal moon in Cancer. Fabulous. Yeah. And so then we have Leo right after Cancer. I'm going right through the Zodiac. And then Leo is all about fire again. So it's like Leos love to express themselves and have fun and be romantic and flirt and have the sex and be creative and sometimes create babies. And, you know, it's all this really fun, really, gosh, Leos, it'll feel really good when you're doing things that feed your heart, you know, like those creative endeavors. It's a good moon sign to follow your heart. And again, it's another one where it likes to just be in the moment. Fire is very much like, you know, in the moment and it doesn't necessarily think it just acts. So it's like, what do I want to do? You know, and then do those things that feel that you want to do. That's going to very be very nurturing. And then from fire, again, we move to an earth sign, which, you know, fire can get, it can go crazy. And then earth comes and it brings it down. And so then we have Virgo. If you have a Virgo moon, nurturing your health and making sure you have good physical practices and your body's good functioning, you know, your closets have good function and those things around you, you know, serving people in a really important way. Virgos really feel good when they can solve problems and fix things and take care of details and get out in the garden and grow some food. That's actually (laughs) true of all earth signs connecting, like physically connecting. That's the other thing that I wanted to say is that when I'll go, when I go through each of these signs, I say, if it's, you know, what element it's in. And if you can really nurture yourself through that element, it's extreme long-term. This is like not a okay, I got my hands in the dirt one day and now like all of my emotional problems in my life are going to be solved. But it's like, if you do that as a daily practice, it's just, yeah, it's such a good parenting hack. It's huge. I I coach people and um, do my intuitive coaching and it just is game changer every time for every single client I have. Completely. So great. Yeah. And then from Virgo, we go to Libra and Libra is an air sign. So that partnership, that one other person spending time with an important other, um, bringing visual beauty to your life because Libra is all about the beautiful things, creating harmony. This is like somebody that really feels not good. I mean, I could, we didn't do that, but I could go through each one of the signs and say, which would be really hard or not feeling good for each of the signs. So when Libra is around arguments or fighting or disharmony, even a disharmonious, that's not a word, but you know, an environment that has disharmony in it, like a very messy home, like we can literally not feel well um, on a physical level. So Libra, a Libra moon needs a lot of softness and peace. 
go with your bestie and have tea and just chat or your partner or that one other person, you know, Libra is all about doing things in twos. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a Libra moon child, it can be like, yeah, oh, let's go do that together. You don't feel like cleaning your room. Come on, I'll help you. And then it's like, oh, okay, we'll do that. (laughs) Things, the energy shifts. And then after Libra and air sign, we move to um, Scorpio, which is a water sign. Again, water signs, they want to get intimate. It feels good to really get to be intimate with your emotions. So, you know, do, if you have a Scorpio moon, being intimacy in, and those all those things that are intimate, like sex, they are very deeply nurturing to you, you know? sharing secrets, uh, telling people things that are really deeply important to you and your truth can feel really good. Scorpio moons really love to enjoy things intensely, (laughs) whether it's whatever food they're eating or, you know, whatever, however they're connecting with another, there needs to be depth. It's so funny because we can get really practical here that a Scorpio moon would loves the before and after, right? The transformation the before and after makeover or the before and after those, those shows that come and like take the house (laughs) and then like totally transform it into something else. God, if you're a Scorpio moon, you could just get, Oh, that feels so good. I just want to keep watching this stuff. (laughs) And then we go to Sagittarius and that's a fire sign. And so it's going to feel good to go on an adventure, travel again, fire, do what you want. You don't have to ask anybody. You just go and do it. You know, Sagittarius needs a lot of freedom to explore. And it's definitely a learning sign. It loves to understand philosophy, the bigger picture, religion. You know, and I didn't also say that for air signs, anybody that has a Gemini, Libra or Aquarius moon books and learning are going to, it's going to feel very soothing for you to do that. And Sagittarius is a a teacher. It's also a, a learner as well. It learns and then it teaches, it learns and it teaches. But Sag, a Sag moon really loves to be spontaneous and have a lot of fun and big parties and be in relationship with nature. All of the earth signs do, and a Sagittarius moon really needs that as well. And then we go to Capricorn. That's another earth sign. It's the last one of our earth signs. So all of the earth signs like to keep it very practical and realistic. And so taking steps towards a goal coming up with a plan, making money. Capricorn loves to do things really, really high quality. So it has a lot of integrity. So it can be drawn towards the finer things in life that have quality, those things that are built to last. And, you know, the Capricorn is the archetype of Capricorn is, is the boss. So honestly, it'll feel good to tell people what to do. I mean, <laughs> even you can even break it down to those little kinds of things. It likes to be in charge. It'll feel good. And then we move to Aquarius, which is an air sign. So again, learning, but Aquarius is the visionary. It doesn't like to follow the rules that have been in place. It likes rules, but it likes to invent its own rules that are line up with the vision that Aquarius has. And if you have an Aquarius moon, you are a very visionary kind of person. You're ahead of us. You see things that the rest of uh, your friends might not see. So, you know, speaking of friends, an Aquarius moon feels good when it has its people around, whoever your people are, you know, finding people that are like you in in a unique way. 
And then we have the last sign of the Zodiac, sweet Pisces, which is really Pisces is like a culmination and a compilation of all of the signs in one. It's a little bit of everything in the collective. And Pisces is a water sign and it feels a lot. And so sometimes it feels so much that a really good way to take care of it, self, is to be by itself, by a stream, in a bathtub, taking a nap, meditating. Yeah, Pisces really loves softness and sweetness and and to fantasize. Like it's a really romantic sign because romance has all the fluffiness to it, right? It has all the things that are beautiful. And I find that when I talk about how to nurture yourself through your moon sign, I always have a longer list of Pisces because Pisces needs a little extra nurturing. It's not easy to live on planet earth and have a strong Pisces like if you have a sun in Pisces or a rising or a moon, you know, earth life can be hard. So we need to take care of ourselves a little bit more mindfully and intentionally. We can also neglect ourselves very easily as well and then be a victim to it. Pisces always has a longer list of self-nurturing things. So, you know, anything that involves like creativity and fantasy and dreaming things up. So, Pisces can feel good by listening to music, playing music, dancing, watching dancing, anything that takes you out of the current reality, which can be like meditating can do that, but also watching movies and film and acting because it's like you, you get transported somewhere else. And Pisces loves that, right? Because when you're transported, you're temporarily, the, the earth seems a little bit like distant, like, Oh, I'm in my happy place now. I'm not down there where there's fighting and there's judgment and there's people hurting other people and people hurting animals. Like those are things that are just break a Pisces, a Pisces moon heart. Yeah. Pisces is really has this desire to merge and be deeply connected to others. And sometimes it has to watch it because it doesn't have the boundaries and then it can, it can literally get itself hurt. Like it just didn't see it coming. Um, So yeah, I think I could say a lot on a, Oh, water. Oh my gosh. Having a good cry. Pisces, sometimes they just need to cry and then everything is better. You know? Yeah. That was a very brief abbreviated version. Kilkenny. Oh, it was fabulous. That is so, so helpful. I mean, there were just so many beautiful aspects that you highlighted in such a short time. And I know our listeners are, if they haven't already are now like Googling about their moon after that inspiration, just, just so helpful. Such a fabulous download. So thank you. Yeah. Your natal moon really, it, it shows there's a really a well-known astrologer, Stephen Forrest. Actually, he said it, but I don't think he was the original to say it. It might be Noel Till that said, your natal moon shows your reigning emotional need. So mm. who doesn't need to know that? Like, tell me what my main needs are. Because then when you know them, you can come up with strategies to meet them. There's a, a beautiful body of work from Marshall Rosenberg called Nonviolent Communication. And it's all about understanding the need and then coming up with a strategy to meet it. And I it love can that be, book. Right. Oh, I know. Fabulous. His work yeah. is fabulous. So yeah, look up nonviolent communication people because it's his work is fabulous. And yes, just what you're saying, knowing people's moons and their sign, their natal sign of their moon and also of yourself first and foremost is just a game changer. It's a complete game changer. And I just, in every way. And isn't it that 
too, I think I learned this from you, that if you have children, that your moon, particularly as a mother, is how they perceive you. Their moon, yeah. So if or you their have moon, a, right? Yeah, if you have a kid that has an Aquarius moon, that's their perception of you. So it it has to do with the moon sign, the moon house, also how the other planets are talking. But I'm doing a course on this in the fall for parents and just really understanding your child's moon and how you might show up for them. When you can understand how you can potentially show up for them, it shifts the relationship. It, it opens your mind to the high road and the pitfalls. And, you know, it just has you be a more mindful parent. And who's like, sign everybody up for that. <laughs> I mean, we have like some important work to do in fixing the wrongs of the planet right now. Let's really mindfully parent our next generation. Completely. And it really contextualizes in a clear way, I think, as parents or custodians of younger people, what their needs are. Because I think sometimes when we're custodians of young souls and beings, right, we have so many things going on. And we also have certain things that we wish to impart and certain beliefs of, about the ways that our kids should act and be. And I think it can be so huge to really have this archetypal understanding of what their needs are because we can think what their needs are and we can try to support them expressing what their needs are but that takes time especially for some kids to figure out as it did for many of us and so and by the time this, they can talk a lot of their emotional body has already formed completely. before they can speak for their needs such a they, good point. they've experienced you i mean they grew inside of mom or the significant, or they grew alongside of the significant female in their life. Mm. Does the moon in astrology have a connection to the paternal or masculine being yeah, in, a, it, in a child's life or no? Is that different? Is that the sun or that's but, a different yeah, conversation? That's the sun. So okay. um, actually, yeah, it, there's moon is mom or significant female and sun is dad or you know, significant male, but the moon comes first. The baby grows inside of the mom. The moon is the internal and they find dad, right? They, they can't survive without mom. Like mom is their food. Mom is. Their, and so they eventually find dad on the outside. He's out there, but mom comes first, mm -hmm. you know? So it's really creating an environment where that child's moon sign can be honored and understood and nurtured. It's a beautiful thing to be able to give to your kids. And you, I don't remember, I know that I have three, we both have three kids for mm -hmm. those listeners. I have three kids. I'm the same person and they all have different moon signs. And because of the circumstances that they were born into when they were born, it totally fits. You know, I'm the same mom, but I was responding to them in three pretty different ways based on what was happening in our life at that time. Completely. It, yeah. It's it's mind-blowing to me when I look at their birth stories of my children, when I look at now they're somewhat older, they're all above 10 now, which is new, and looking at them now and thinking about their moon signs, you know, through their early childhood and now through this new period of, you know, preteen and teen, it just, it, and, and working with their moon sign and my own moon sign is like, just becomes more and more important and helpful. <laughs> I yeah. feel like as they get older. 
because things that they're facing are more complicated. So the more technologies you have um, that are rooted in deep wisdom and yeah. practices are the, the more helpful. And the best thing, you know, for if there are listeners out there that are like, oh my gosh, I want to, I'm so curious to know my kid's moon. It, right. We're parents. Like we want the best for our kids. And the biggest gift that you can give them is to do your own moon and to do your own mm-hmm. emotional body really well and let them see that. Let them see you doing you and thriving and growing and learning those lessons. But like you, you, you understand how to take care of yourself. Such a gift for them. I always say, do you first. <laughs> totally. I was you having know. that conversation with one of my kids last night. You know, the old, mm-hmm. you're on the airplane, you take care of yourself first, and then you take care of the others around you because you can. So that's such an important point. Even with this moon work, you know, the moon changes signs, you know, currently right now in the sky, just for those listeners who don't know this, right? The moon is moving. It's it's this, as I mentioned, a satellite. And so it's every approximately two and a half days, correct? That the moon goes from one sign, yeah. say Virgo, to yeah. Libra, the next sign. And so there is a quality, you know, in the atmosphere and in the world collectively that we are all interfacing with a sort of quote unquote energetic weather pattern, whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd love to speak about that. I know myself, you know, working with that has been incredibly transformational. And now, just like you said, you do things, you work on yourself, your kids will do things and work on themselves because, you know, do as I do, not just as I say. And even with the moons, my two teens now always are like saying, oh, wait, I just felt the Aries moon and this and this and this, or, you know, so-and-so is being like this because I just felt like, like now in our house, not because I said you have to do this, but because this is an archetype I have benefited from and work with and speak of, they've yeah. seen it work, this moon medicine. And so now they just, you know, integrate like, oh, there's the shift or you're being so Virgo moon or, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. My seven-year-old came home the other day. She's like, mom, is the moon in Aries? Because everybody in our class was fighting today, <laughs> you know, and it actually was. She's so, um, so yeah. fabulous. I think it's a really great parenting hack because our kids are so, that's the other thing is our kids, you know, the moon rules over the bodies of water on our planet. We all know that. We don't need to believe in astrology to know that the moon controls the water or influences the waters of the body of Mother Earth. So in our kids, their bodies are more water than we adults are. Mm -hmm. So they feel, and they plus they just came from there. They just came from the other other side of the rainbow bridge. So they are hanging out in water for nine months, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So they really feel the moon. So if you know, like, you know, today is a Virgo moon at the, at the time of that we're recording this, if you understand the background music that's playing in the day and to, and go with that and understand what that can, this is what I write every day on Instagram about. If you can understand that, you know, today when the moon is in Virgo, you want to watch your words more carefully. If just saying, you know, your kids can take what you say and hear it through a critical lens. It can also feel good. This could be a good day to like, Hey, let's go organize the playroom. Virgo moon loves to clean. I already organized like my freezer this morning at five 30. It just, it, it's not like I'm thinking about it. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wow. I'm organizing my freezer at 5.30. Oh, right. The moon just moved into Virgo yesterday. <laughs> right. And then so. you can draft off of it. Like you can literally be like, okay, the moon is in Virgo. 
I've been wanting to get to that closet. Yeah. There's energy that will help you do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. love I love how you put it with the background music. That's so fabulous when you're paying attention to the background music. That's yeah. a great analogy. I love that so much. Yeah, and my father used to work in a psychiatric ward. You know, at this time, he didn't know anything about astrology, nor he did he believe in it, quote unquote. And yet he would still talk about during my childhood how when there was a full moon, it was always so much more intense. And everybody on the psychiatric unit would talk about mm-hmm. it. There were always more challenges and intensity that you know shows up. I'm curious about the male moon cycle, just tying it to that, you know, with the moon and you know, there's of course, you know, the movies and we see the the full moon and the wolves and the vampires and all these things. But truly with the male cycle, because I studied with a shaman once years ago who talked about this, that there was a connection with the male moon cycles due to testosterone and that you know, idea even of the urge to merge on the full moon, particularly mm. with the males. Have you experienced this in your in your personal sphere? And could you speak to this if if uh, you have any thoughts to add to that? Yeah, I mean, we all like even if you are you, you're saying male M A L E. Yes. Okay, people. got it. So even if we identify, like we all have a moon and we all have a sun, we all have the inner divine masculine and the inner divine feminine inside of us. So definitely there is a connection because I, in astrology, it's all about the emotions. So is that what you're asking? Like, or do men feel the moon like women do? I don't think. Yes. Like, I guess what I'm asking is just with, and and, and it, it can vary testosterone levels within people. Um, of course, no matter what gender they were assigned to at birth. Um, but I was just curious if they're really from a astrological standpoint, you know, the whole masculine energy and moon, if there is any association or I don't know, any antidotal kind of wisdom you have about that. I mean, there's always the dance between the sun and the moon. So the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. So even like the phase that the moon is in, well, the phases, you know, it has to do with not just the moon. She's, you know, it has to do with the sun that light that she reflects is from the divine masculine. So it's always the dance between the two, you know, an Aries moon in Libra season is very different than an Aries moon in Taurus season. And so it has, the dance has a different flavor because it's a different, the the timing is different. So the Mm -hmm. dance of the feminine and masculine is different. Yeah. That's a great answer. And that's why it's so helpful to get your chart read or, you know, work with someone to learn even more wisdom if you feel moved because like you said even where the moon is in the way of the natal sign then it becomes a whole unpacking of that if people feel moved but it can be really really so helpful the word moon is also connected to moody (laughs) Mm -hmm. of course and yeah just speaking about different ways you know as you and i are speaking to we all have these masculine and feminine energies within ourselves. Some of us were born having, you know, once we come of age, moon cycles, periods, menses, and there is a long historical tradition of working with the moon in this way, doing practices and prayers and, you know, the red tents where women used to gather together actually. And women's cycles, you know, when they live together, sync up. And this is all often in correlation with the moon. 
a lot of women I know either have their moon cycle on new moons or full moons. And I've heard even from different healers that that can be a sign of positive, you know, health. But I'm wondering, you know, are there any practices that men, women, however you identify, whatever your biology is, that you suggest to work with the moon? For example, like I have a little moon bowl next to my bed. And every morning I have, you know, 29, it must be little pieces of sea glass. And every morning I just move one and it reminds me of the cycle the moon is in. So I can remember to think about the moon. So I can remember to think about the sign of the moon and the weather pattern, you know, energetically mm-hmm. of the day and to work and dance with that. And so that's like a little moon yeah. ritual I do before my feet even hit the floor. Do you have anything? I always encourage everyone to work with the moon cycle, you know, so at the new moon, this would be um, a really great, I would love to do another episode on this, just like how to work with the moon cycle, because I think it's the way that I, after all these years have really tweaked and understood and experienced how to do it. It's very different than the way that I think, you know, if you've ever been to a new moon circle, they tend to be very solar. Like these are the things that I want. Oh, it's a new moon. It's time to make some stuff happen. I'm going to create something. This let's let me think about what I want. And then, but it it tend it ends up being from the ego, which is the sun and solar, rather than it's the moon cycle. And it, so, and that's from the soul. And that's not oh, this is what I want. But it's that what we talked about in the very beginning, it's that, oh, this is what's rising inside of me right now. This is what my soul wants to work with in this cycle. I do this in my luminary parenting community every day, you know, we're looking and we're working with it. And so it's, it's not, it's very different. It's not like coming with a list for Santa Claus at the new moon and then thinking (laughs) about how you can get these things and then wonder when the next new moon cycle starts, you're like, Hey, but what happened to all those other things that I wanted that I didn't get last cycle? I guess this stuff doesn't work. It's because we're not coming at it. We're solarizing it. And it's not, Mm. it's the moon cycle. We have a sun cycle, which would be also another fascinating topic to talk about. We have our annual cycle. We each have our own personal spring, summer, fall and winter that is different depending on our natal chart. And we can work with that. That is the sun cycle. Mm, Love that. I think everybody can work with the moon and the sun cycle and honor whether you are in a female body or a male body or how you identify. It's like you, we can still work with both of those because we have both of those (laughs) inside of us. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. And I never thought about that with moon circles because I've been to many moon circles and many of our listeners might be familiar with this. And if you're not, you might, you know, just with social media now, it's really accessible. The idea of like on the new moon, you plant seeds, you plant intention. That's very common. And then on the full moon, we re- you know, there's a releasing, a letting go, so to speak. And, it, you know, the Indian yogic tradition, which is my background lineage, there are these overtones for sure inextricably connected to practices with them, which I think are really beautiful. But I love what you're saying about this idea of really learning the lesson from the moon, which is to be receptive, which is to be, like we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, you know, really open and really listening to our soul and the voice of our inner teacher is how I think about it. Yeah. And that's such an important important practice and really the ultimate practice. So it's such a great point. 
Yeah. And just, you know, like even knowing that when the moon is in its balsamic phase, like when it's just about ready to go back to start the next moon phase, that we're not packing our day with lots of things. Like it doesn't matter if you cycle or you don't, or if you're in a male body or you're not, you know, it's important. We don't have a lot of energy at that time. None of us do. So going with that is a way to parent yourself. It's a way to say, actually, I'm going to take some of these things off my plate and I'm going to go within. So it is at the dark moon. It's a very magical time. So yeah, to go inside. Totally. And thinking about like you're saying, like when there's a crescent weaning moon, then what am I initiating? What am I starting? Mm -hmm. You know, Yeah. when there's a full moon, how can I wax? So there's so many beautiful contemplations we can use to work with the moon. I love that so, so much. The other day I, I texted a friend of mine and she asked me what I was doing. And I, I wrote, I mooned the afternoon away and I felt really super chill. That was my text. I mooned the afternoon away and I found, you know, I felt really chill. And she wrote me back, what? Like you can use moon in that way. And we were joking, you know, just back and forth about <laughs> I, oh, I, I moon yeah. someone, you know, I moon someone. So I, it was something I want to leave the listeners with. I love that, mm. that verb that I use once in a while because it's a transient verb and it means to spend time in idle reverie, just to mm. literally get into that space, very Piscean as you articulated, right? Where we make pockets for being open and being dreamy and creative and uh, very lunar. And so it, it kind of, I just thought of it when you were talking about being open and receptive. I love that word. Moon the day away. Well, I wanted to close out the episode with one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite poets. I don't know if you know him, Pablo Neruda, who said, the moon lives in the lining of your skin. And just this reminder to the listeners, as Tara and I spoke of earlier, that you know, the moon is literally made up of the same earth as you. And as Tara said about the moon pulls on the waters and we are made up of majority water. And so for those who feel like this might be really out there, it's really like the moon and ourselves. We're literally made up of the same material. Mm -hmm. So when we can take lessons off the moon, it can really become medicine for our lives. The moon lives in the lining of your skin. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, Tara, where can folks find out about you and your illuminative uh, work in this world? Thank you, Kilkenny. I'm on Instagram at Luminary Parenting, but also I write every day about what's happening with the moon and how you can sync up with that. But also, you know, social media has its limitations. I illuminaryparenting.com and get on my email list. And then you can also sign up if you're not on social media to get the post delivered a week ahead of time. So you know what's happening. You can plan ahead. And then you'll also be on my email list. You'll be notified of my offerings and my teachings that are coming up. I have a community that I really, it's, I love it because I can support them like with going through the moon cycle or every day I send them a voice text. I just kind of get centered and tell them what's happening with the sky and how they can move with it. So it's a really convenient, simple way that you can work into your day. So yeah, you can learn all about that at my website, luminaryparenting.com. Hmm. Well, I just want to say too that I am on your newsletter. I get your weekly email that literally gives you the forecast for the week in such a clear way with these big visuals. And you're so practical. That's what I love about your 
teachings and your wisdom. If you look at Tara's work and when you sign up for her newsletter, you'll just see like she gives you such phenomenal in sync practical advice that you can really apply in your day-to-day life and it really makes you unique and stand out. So people definitely go do that. Also, Tara is so generously offering my monthly members $20 off a one-on-one astrology reading and they are amazing. I've had them. She's awesome. So my monthly members enjoy this benefit from Tara and thanks so much to you all for supporting the work of this podcast. If you aren't a monthly mystic member yet, head on over to my website, modernmystic.love and get all sorts of phenomenal discounts and free offerings from my guests and myself as a monthly member, such as this most generous discount from Tara there. I'll have Tara's information in the show notes to contact her and learn more about her awesome membership as well. So thank you so much, Tara, for your wisdom and your moon medicine today. Mm -hmm, You're welcome. Literally. I mean, I'm just like in ecstasy. It feels like such a bomb of healing. And um, I'm so excited to just keep developing my moon practices apropos of this conversation. And I know it was a fascinating conversation for our listeners. So thank you for that. And also for your profound work in this world. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over 100 alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up-level yourself as you become the next version of you. Not to mention, my Mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic Podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste. Namaste.